What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to Just Kidding, episode number 15 with Elaine Yang. Uh, before I introduce my guest, just wanted to provide some updates. Um, the show is going to be bi-weekly going forward just because, you know, I got shit going on, you know? Got my second shot, doing more comedy, getting out there. <laughs> so, yeah, still going to keep going, but going to take some of the pressure off and make it bi-weekly. Uh, hopefully that's cool. And yeah, I got a new website, I got new shows, so tomorrow's my first show in D.C. at the Ugly Mug. It's April 15th. And I got a show in Brooklyn on May 8th at the Brooklyn House of Comedy. Both of those are on my website, jatankana.com slash shows. So yeah, exciting stuff. Excited for the summer. Got my second dose. Just ready. Ready for <laughs> life to hopefully be somewhat normal. I don't know if it, when it'll be fully normal, but we're getting there. Um, but yeah, my guest today, Elena Yang, is a certified yoga therapist. She helped save my back from getting surgery. I met her in 2019 uh, after two years of just being in constant pain, hurt to walk, uh, misdiagnosis, went to so many different specialists, and really her uh, treatment and her program really empowered me to fix myself. I wouldn't say that she fixed me, but she definitely gave me the tools needed and encouraged me to build the habits to you know, preserve my back health and literally avoid surgery. So I have a lot of love for Elaine and her work. Gonna link to all her websites and social. Um, she does have a lot of free re resources on YouTube. Definitely check that out. Um, but I would recommend if you have chronic pain or anything of that nature, um, definitely hit up Elaine Yang. She's a wonderful yoga teacher and you're going to learn a little bit more around how she got to where she is, you know, the difference between yoga therapy and just regular yoga classes um, and a bunch of other stuff. So I don't want to give away too much. And without further ado, my conversation with Elaine Oyang. Hey, Elaine, welcome to Just Kidding. Thanks for doing my show today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's great. I just wanted to open by saying thank you for... I think it was 2019 when I first met you and, and did your one-on-one -on -one classes. And like, I don't think it's exaggerating to say that you like saved my back health in a way that, you know, a lot of the medical professionals I was talking to, like, couldn't, I think I went to like 10 different people, including like four PTs and two or three spine specialists. And, and honestly, I, I, do, I do think yoga was one of the biggest things that was really able to help me heal and also like maintain that like long-term health. Cause I feel like Western medicine is sometimes about the short fix and not about managing. And I, and I really like your philosophy about managing chronic pain in sustainable ways. Yeah, I, I definitely remember, um, your story when you came in, in terms of how many people you've gone to see. And I think like it was at the point where surgery was an option for you or like, okay, I need to keep seeking because you felt like you could do something besides surgery and you want to just kind of make sure. And 
I'm glad I'm glad that it helped you so much. And it sounded like since then you've been able to keep with the stretches and the mm-hmm. things that we worked at and helped you kind of get back to where you were before. And it sounded like you're leading a pretty active lifestyle again since yeah. then. Definitely. I mean, I was, I mean, maybe you remember, I was like distraught. Like I was, I was like very frustrated. I was in so much pain. Just walking was pain. I like gained weight and I went to this, um, like one of the top spine specialists at UCSF, which is a great hospital there. And they were very like dismissive. They're very much like, didn't even like, he talked to me for like five minutes and he was like, oh, like, uh, sounds like you have, you know, sciatic issue. Um, you know, if you still have pain in a few weeks, you should just get surgery. And I was like, that is, doesn't sound medical at all. It just sounds like you want to, you know, <laughs> get people under. And then I talked to, there's one PT in New Jersey who's an incredible PT. I talked to her and she's helped my dad with a lot of, he has similar back issues. I think all the men in my family have back issues. Um, mm. <laughs> and she was, she gave me the numbers uh, on surgery for specifically like lower back disc stuff. And it was like 30, 30, 30, which is 30% chance of getting better, 30% chance of getting worse and 30% chance of staying the same. And that for me was like, I don't like those odds at all, especially if you're going to be doing surgery on my near my spinal cord. Right. (laughs) Like, High risk surgery. Yeah, it just seems like high risk for low reward. um, If there's, you know, less than half a chance of even getting back to normal. Um, So yeah, and and yeah, just going to your class. And I remember you like, you know, talking about like consistency. And just like, you know, I I like the fact that it wasn't, you know, even I went to a chiropractor and their whole thing is like, you have to come back to me every week and I'll crack your back and, you know, realign you. And I didn't like that either because it's like now I'm dependent on someone for the rest of my life for my health. And I like the fact that you emailed me the exercises and were like, you have to do this at home. Like it's not just doing it with me in class, which I think is, you know, so different from like the ethos of most like, you know, healing, you know, in in this country, I feel like where it's like, oh, like come back to me and I'll fix you. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really like the fact that you like gave me the tools. And it's not like they were crazy secret stretches. It was like cat, cow, and cobra and stuff. <laughs> it wasn't like the secret, you know, uh, ancient 2,000-year-old back yoga. It's all like stuff that most people do. But I think it's like the intention around it and the consistency and, you know, um, being gentle with yourself um, in addition to, you know, just doing those poses was really, really helpful. Yeah, yeah. And you definitely made a point in terms like I, I um, teach from the approach that I want to impart this kind of this toolkit to you or to all my students and clients, because I feel like in this country, the, the self-advocacy part in terms of healthcare is just so stripped away. Mm-hmm. Everyone's dependent on the doctor, whatever the doctor says is like, god words Mm -hmm. and everyone kind of wants this quick fix this magic pill that does not exist Mm -hmm. and the fact that this is such an ongoing problem is it's very systemic and everyone just kind of feels helpless when something happens and they want someone else to take care of them but Mm -hmm. 
I try to teach from the approach that you just need to kind of find your footing again, and I can help you find your footing, but from there on, um, you'll be able to do it yourself. I mean, I'll still be there kind of cheering you on and guiding you some more challenging things if need be, but I think everyone has has to have that sense of self-advocacy and sense of self-agency in terms of claiming what they know about their body. And the fact that mm. when you talk to your doctor and they're like, I want you to put it, put you under, go under surgery. You're like, uh, no, <laughs> that's yeah. you thinking for yourself and yeah. kind of knowing that, no, there's gotta be some other way. And yeah, that's, that's kind of my guiding principle. Um, and I love, I love all the other modalities like chiropractor and acupuncture and massage. They do help. And I think they're very helpful when you have like acute pain or acute symptoms. Um, the problem is that, like you said, some people, again, rely so much on them, even though they think it's a alternative and holistic method, it's better, but that dependency is not always the right mindset to approach mm -hmm. something like your health. And I I do recommend my clients and students to have a chiropractor, have an acupuncturist as like an ongoing maintenance, but not so much like, oh, my back hurts. Now I want to, I need to book an appointment with my chiropractor. It's like, okay, my back hurts. Is there something I can do in the meantime until my appointment? Or is there something I can do right now that will maybe just alleviate it mm -hmm. and don't need to spend a hundred, dollars $150, $200 for the chiropractor appointment because they can get pricey oh yeah they're expensive yeah. um and yeah and i do have a lot of respect for them but i think you made a, a really good point like the acute versus chronic like if you're in a car accident and something that's really misaligned you probably do need to go to a specialist or, or a chiropractor to fix that uh, and i did try the acupuncturist that was in your studio as well mm -hmm. and that was you know interesting but it was also like expensive it was like 200 dollars. you know they don't take yeah. Insurance, you're like, I can't, you know, spend a thousand dollars on acupuncture unless it's like really going to do something magical. Um, but yeah, I think the the management of chronic pain in, you know, in this country with just pills and, and stuff that's not like lifestyle based is is really sad because uh, that's just, I guess it's just the, maybe the profit motive of it where it's like, well, you can't really make a lot of money off telling people to drink more water and <laughs> get a, you know maybe a standing desk you can right. make money off of uh, but like exercising drinking water eating but like all these sort of lifestyle things and that was a big part of it obviously the yoga was a big part and i do think all the pt and the chiropractor like all those things helped um but when i started going from like a lot of pain and a little pain to absolutely no pain was a combination of like consistent daily yoga and also getting the standing desk and actually using it changing like my shoes that were more like supportive and getting like, I have my lumbar pillow right now that I've had for nice. <laughs> years and all those, all those little things. And even, yeah, just eating better and drinking more water and all that stuff. Like just those lifestyle things that make your, like give your body the best ability to heal, right? Like reducing inflammation and like, you know, just like allowing your body to do like the healing that it's capable of. I feel like, it's just not talked about enough. Yeah. And you said it, it doesn't, it's not sexy. It doesn't yeah. sell. It doesn't, it's not profitable. 
And you're absolutely right. And everyone wants like this complex, expensive solution Mm. to these problems, but it really is just going back to very simple things that we forgot how to do for ourselves as human Mm -hmm. beings in terms of just very basic self-care practices. Like Mm -hmm. you mentioned drinking water. It's like, it's, it's so fundamental. And yet I've talked to so many people who literally have to, um, and I'm not like shaming them or judging them. Like I'm myself included. Sometimes I do forget to drink water and have to remind myself to do that and people you know setting timers on their devices to drink mm-hmm. water um because we're just so inundated with this fast-paced lifestyle mm-hmm. nowadays that it's just it's just not something that's um that's on the top of our mind mm-hmm. in addition um a lot of people are not very connected with what goes on <laughs> below the neck anymore mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. something really bad happens. Like when I was going through my yoga therapy training, my teacher wrote a joke that most people walk around with the head on a stick. Like they don't mm. really know what's going on underneath yeah. below the neck um, until, yeah, until something really bad happens. And they're like, I don't know what happened. It just, this <laughs> started one day. Now I want something to take it away immediately so I can do whatever I was doing mm-hmm. before even if it's continuing some bad habits. Yeah. So it's, it's unfortunate um, you know, how much we've lost touch with, with our just basic self-care. And I love that you brought lifestyle in because managing pain and chronic pain definitely is a lifestyle thing. Um, from the Western medical standpoint, they like to see it as pain um, being purely a biomedical um, symptom or challenge to address but pain can come in so many different forms as well Mm. like your posture can affect it your diet can affect it your sleep can affect it Mm. the the stress can affect it um depending on where you live if you live with people who are not healthy for you toxic relationships can affect it so there's so many layers and complexity to to chronic pain that most people don't realize and most, I would say most doctors don't realize um, there have been more research done in the past decade or so that brought in all the other pieces that mm-hmm. can affect chronic pain, which they call the biopsychosocial model. So you have the biology, mm-hmm. the mental part, and the, the way you socialize and interact with the world around you that can infect your chronic pain. So it's definitely an emerging, um, emerging research that I think more and more people should learn about. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point where I think for so long, it was just like, here's an issue. How do we deal with it in isolation, but not looking at it as connected to the rest of your body, your mind, your mental health, your you know your environment like the air quality like maybe you know you live in a city and you're not breathing good air or yeah like you said living with someone that's bringing you down and and having you know negative energy i think that is not like just woo woo anymore i think that's all very you know the mind body connection is is so real and i think we're you know realizing and studying more the the power of using you know those tactics, you know, and, and combining both, not just separating, Hey, bodies here, you know, my, I'm head on a stick, 
but you know, <laughs> combining those. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you say that because I was definitely ahead on a stick. I think most people in their 20s are until they get injured. I think most of my friends and they're after like 25, I feel like you hit this thing where you're like, okay, you're, you're going to start, you know, feeling it. Uh, you can't just, you know, you're not 18. You can't just run around and play sports <laughs> right. and play contact sports. And that's how, how it was for me. I was playing tennis and I felt like this worst pain I'd ever felt in my, you know, left, uh, hamstring. And, um, that was back in 2017 and that was started my journey of like all this pain and it took mm. took you know doctors a year to figure out that it wasn't just my hamstring that I would that I even had uh, a disc issue because I was doing all these stretches for my hamstring like bending over and like making the disc worse because there were it's just an uh, you know endemic of our system where I say my hamstring hurts and every doctor goes all right let's fix that and no one's even noticing like, Hey, maybe it's a sciatic thing. Maybe it's a disc that maybe it's a back thing or hips or glutes or whatever. Um, and it took a whole year to figure out, um, what was actually going on. And it's like, that's what we do. We look at the thing. That's a problem. And I feel like that works for society too. We look at someone that's committing a crime and you're saying, okay, we have to put them in jail for committing a crime. But it's mm -hmm. like, well, you're not looking at the environment that they're in and there's such a bigger picture involved and, you know, you can't just treat everything in, in isolation. They're all part of a, a bigger, you know, system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty problematic that, um, I mean, I have a background in biology. I study biology and worked in mm -hmm. labs and that's exactly the type of mentality in science. It's like, how can we hone into that one problem and exclude as many variables as possible so we mm -hmm. can just study this thing in isolation. Right. And, this that was partially how I was led to yoga. I was practicing yoga in college already, and mm -hmm. I went into into biology thinking, okay, I'm going to do research and come up with some miraculous <laughs> studies yeah. that can help a lot of people. And then I right. really saw it for what it was. Like, oh, this is not what I thought it would be, and I want to be more. I, I don't want to be in like sterile lab environment. Mm -hmm. I want to be like with the people hearing their stories and helping them in a way mm. and i didn't know at that time yoga was going to be that way but it just kind of unfolded in that way and here we are now yes yeah, so can you talk more about you know going from the biological you know hard science into yoga and then how that turned into the yoga therapy today that you've uh, this practice you've developed which i feel like it's pretty unique i don't there's lots of yoga teachers but I feel like there's a lot less yoga therapists that are mm. medically trained. Right. Yeah. Um, so I get, yeah, going back um, in college, I, I actually, I started practicing yoga back in high school um, and I kind of carried that with me when I went to college in Southern California and I had kind of prepared my whole life to do some sort of science tracks, hard science track in STEMs, because my family is very science centered. And like my dad, he's a computer scientist. My mom's a pharmacist. Everyone has like at least a master's degree. And so that was the, that was the expectation. So I went in to study biology. I was, which was, I was very much interested in. Mm -hmm. And like, I mentioned it turned out to be something that didn't fit in with 
my vision of how I want to lead my life and career. And so after college, I decided to do a yoga teacher training. <laughs> um, and from there on, I just started teaching yoga. Um, at that time, I was teaching yoga, like the ones that you would see most commonly in yoga studios, like the flow, mm -hmm. the vinyasas, kind of the more workout, fitness, fitness-oriented type of yoga. And after a few years of teaching yoga in that kind of environment, I still didn't feel fulfilled. I felt something was still missing. I, I felt like I was just teaching yoga on autopilot. It's basically, mm -hmm. I was just teaching the same things over and over again, and people are getting a great workout. But knowing what yoga can offer, I was like, there's got to be more. Like, I want to help people outside of the studio environment. Mm -hmm. Not, again, not this clean, sterile <laughs> place mm -hmm. where everyone's relatively healthy. And about seven years ago, um, I was invited to, and I was hired to teach at this chronic pain clinic out over in Richmond, in the East Bay, in, in um, Bay Area. And that was when I realized, okay, this is where I want my work to be. When I saw these patients with chronic pain who have very limited mobility, um, I was really taken aback. I, I had no idea that people could live in so much pain. And at that time, I was, for the most part, kind of doing my own research, coming up with different things to help them and different approaches of teaching to, to help them. Not that I was inventing things. I was still teaching them yoga, but different approach that works for them. And after a while, I think maybe a year or a couple of years, I realized I needed more in-depth training because I was mm -hmm. kind of at a point where I feel like there must be more information out there in terms of chronic pain. And serendipitously, I found a yoga therapy training program in Marin County in the Bay Area. And I just enrolled. <laughs> and it was a two and a half year program um, that really took you from a yoga teacher to a yoga therapist. So there's a lot more training in um, the clinical applicants applications towards not just chronic pain, but other chronic illnesses like diabetes, heart disease, cancer, um, and mental health issues. So it, it did cover wow. a pretty broad genre of things. And was that a two-year full-time or was that part, did you do that part-time? It was part-time. So it was um, every other weekends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So cool. um it was still pretty full on, especially if you're like working as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so but it covered this time yoga teacher. Or were you working in the biological field? I had, I had like a smattering <laughs> of things going on back then. I was teaching yoga. Um, I had only some privates back then. I hadn't developed my practice as the full private practice when, as when you um, walked mm -hmm. in. Um, and I was also teaching cooking classes to mm -hmm. 
children because I also had a nutrition background. And oh, cool. so it was, it was like a program where taught cooking classes, but also taught nutrition to children. So it was like a, a smattering of <laughs> different things. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, two and a half years later, um, and, and during that time, actually, during the time when I was doing the training, I started building my business as well, doing more networking with chiropractors and acupuncturists, because then and even now, there aren't a lot of yoga teachers who step outside the yoga studio model and mm. start their own thing. And the concept of a yoga therapist and private yoga therapy was and still is pretty foreign. And mm. so during the networking, it was a lot of time educating them what I do and how I can fit in with their as, as like a collaborator, as a referral network with the chiropractors and acupuncturists of how I can help their patients without feeling, making them feel like I'm a competition in any way. Mm. So it was this kind of, I was trying to find, mm. yeah, yeah, find a way to make them see me as a complementary um, practitioner mm. along with their work. Um, so that was definitely very interesting and frustrating sometimes mm. <laughs> trying to define something that isn't very well defined yet to people who have never heard of this um, profession, this type of profession. Um, but, you know, it, it worked out. And I think since there weren't a lot of yoga teachers and yoga therapists doing what I, I was doing, then I was getting clients and getting um, referrals and recommendations. And I think you found me on Yelp or Google or something. So. Yeah, I, I forget where. Um... But I've definitely referred you to a lot of my friends. And I think you have a, <laughs> even if they haven't come to you one on one, I think you have some incredible resources like your newsletter and the YouTube channel and, and, you know, just a lot of that stuff that you put out there for free, I think has been, you know, really, really beneficial to people. Yeah, I, I do that because, you know, I, these private session is not cheap either <laughs> you right. know it's it's not it's not just like pocket change and mm. i i do see especially during my time working at the chronic pain clinic there is a level of social economic barrier for those in the lower mm -hmm. um social economic environment that they have harder time accessing the care they need for chronic mm -hmm. pain but it's so pervasive in those cultures because they're the people who are, you know, they're farmers, they mm. are um, construction workers, they, you know, totally. they may have worked multiple jobs and they don't have access to the care or they don't get the kind of care that, you know, middle upper class um, um, demographics get. And so that's part of the reason why I want to put these free resources out. In addition to the fact that at this time, yoga therapy still, it's still pretty much like, okay, California, most, some people will have heard of it, New York maybe, um, but that's basically it. 
and mm -hmm. everything in middle America where there's like such a huge chronic pain and opioid crisis, mm -hmm. they could very well benefit from this too. And it really starts with education, again, of self-advocacy, self-agency, and the fact that they can do something for themselves to may not like completely eliminate the pain or heal them or cure them anyway, but at least feel a little better and not be mm -hmm. as dependent on their pain meds, for example, which has so much more side effects that's not necessary and harmful. Yeah, totally. I can imagine if, if there was a way to replace opioid prescription with yoga, <laughs> how much better off, <laughs> you know, thousands of people would be that's it is crazy um can you share some of like your favorite stories about like you know people that you have obviously the you know back pain i think a lot of people struggle with and that's still important but is there like you talk about diabetes and cancer and sleep and mental health do you have some mm -hmm. interesting stories or inspiring stories around those types of illnesses because i think most people don't like back back in yoga people totally see a correlation but i don't think a lot right. of people think you can fix your diabetes or your anxiety or depression mm -hmm. yoga right um well my focus and my specialty definitely is more in chronic pain mm -hmm. um and within chronic pain chronic low back pain is a very prominent um issue most people have it's just um the way that we live our lifestyles nowadays so there's definitely a majority of my clients are people with some sort of lower back pain, hip pain, or upper back pain. Um, and my focus sometimes does cross over to autoimmune disorders, such mm -hmm. as rheumatoid arthritis, um, ulcer ulcerative colitis, um, MS, and not quite the autoimmune category, but also chronic pain category, fibromyalgia. And these are, you know, not to diminish your experience with pain, yeah. but these people have definitely much harder time For sure. <laughs> with it as well. Not to diminish your experience. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, where what's what's interesting for me at least is where i i can pull in my biology background in mm -hmm. here as well and i think that's why i went to yoga therapy i feel like it's a good intersection of both of my background and passion um so an interesting story would be a woman i have worked with with rheumatoid arthritis a young woman in her i think mid-30s or so and she just one day she woke up and everything was swollen and she couldn't get out of bed. And so she was definitely bedridden for a few months. But by the time that she could at least get up and go about again, she sought my work or sought my practice out. I worked with her for about a year or so. And just the, the strides she made, and she was doing a lot of other stuff as well. You know, she was doing a lot of other kind of complementary care at the same time, um, which like you pointed out, it's, it's not just one thing. It's like a few different components that would move the needle. So she mm -hmm. was definitely seeking out other types of care as well. But the yoga was what helped her regain her confidence in her mobility. Because when she first came in, she wasn't 
able to get down to the floor very comfortably. Like she needed to use the wall or the chair or me holding her to get up and down from the floor. And so we slowly built back her strength. And now she's just, she gets up and down just like anyone else does with, with so much ease and wow. to, I mean, it sounds so simple, but to someone who lost that ability to do that can be incredibly um, frustrating and um, feeling hopeless. And the fact that she is now able to do that, now she's just walking everywhere too. She's, she would tell me one, one session, like, I just walked four miles yesterday. And like, oh wow. my gosh, that's <laughs> incredible. So that's definitely one of my um, favorite stories for sure. Um, just And the same thing, she was very disciplined in her practice and her sessions as well. So that definitely contributed to that, the consistency and the commitment to getting better. Um, like I said, I, I'm just there to guide you and you'll have to do the work, but I'll kind of cheer you on along the way. But, you know, she did amazing and she's, um, yeah, she's not that she doesn't have any more flares anymore, but it's better well-managed. Wow. That's incredible. Are you still seeing this client or? I'm not anymore. Um, well, since I have moved away, she mm. decided she doesn't want to continue with Zoom, but she has, I mean, we've worked together, I think, for almost three years now. So okay. she's definitely have a lot of a lot of tools with her. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's got to be a really rewarding. Not that, you know, a regular yoga teacher isn't rewarding, but I think going to a class, seeing similar people that are probably already in, in good shape every week and they still get a lot out of it. But I think, you know, the one on one like healing of people and also not just healing them, uh, but empowering them to heal themselves. Seems mm -hmm. like that's what you really, you know, enjoy or, or, you know, value out of this, this practice. I mean, I, I don't like yoga classes. And I think you wrote about this <laughs> in one of your newsletters. It's like people like, you know, everyone's like, and I had the same thing when I had my back stuff. My friend's like, just go to this yoga class, go to Bikram, go to hot yoga. And I was like, I don't like those classes. I, Hey, I have really tight hamstrings. So I'm like embarrassed to be stretching in front of everyone and just being really tight and trying to like push myself and like they go too fast. They don't actually like slow down and sink into it. There's like this, this, this. So I never really was a big fan of those types of classes. And those are, you know, really the most prevalent types. And that's why I still, you know, use a lot of your poses and some of the stuff that the PT taught me, but I like doing it by myself at my own speed, you know, in like a judgment free, you know, area. That's, you know, that's what's worked for me. And I feel like mm -hmm. more people should like realize that that's, that's totally okay. Just cause you can't put your, you know, palms to the ground, like everyone <laughs> else at a class. Um, it's totally okay. And, and I feel like the, you know, the yoga in America is like, veered a lot from the original yoga, which is, you know, thousands of years old and really very spiritual practice. It's not just a physical thing, but it's like the combination of the mind and the body and, and acceptance and all these, there's like a yoga sutra of, from India, which I haven't read, but, you know, it talks about the, you know, philosophy of, of all that. But do you have like a, 
uh, your own spiritual practice? Do you meditate or do breathing or other stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the more I'm in this field, the more I develop my personal practice, it's definitely become more meditative and more focused on breathing exercise or pranayama. Mm -hmm. um, so not, I don't do like quote yoga poses that mm -hmm. much anymore, um, except for the times when, you know, the body still needs conditioning, but my main focus definitely is more um, on meditation and breathing. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been starting to learn more about mantras mm -hmm. from, from just these ancient uh, literatures that I've been studying with my teacher. Um, and yeah, like you said, the yoga that's represented in the West is so kind of diluted in a way. And <laughs> they take, take mm -hmm. one little piece of yoga and then they just focus on that and then dilute it in a way in, in the Western classes that you see in, um, in the United States and, and other, other parts of the, the Western societies. And it's so much about flexibility and strength nowadays. And the fact that, like you said, you can't really sink in and just kind of feel mm -hmm. how you feel in that pose. It completely misses the point of mm -hmm. yoga practice. It's all about bringing your awareness and your senses back into your body and noticing what it is that you're feeling at the moment. And if there's any discomfort, whether physically or mentally, like you, you allow yourself that time and that space to explore and be curious about it mm. but now it's you know one pose three breaths and they go 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 yeah. it's all about just how can we work out mm. and how can we do as many poses <laughs> in right. a class as possible so it's it's unfortunately been um skewed in that way and a lot of people who and that's why I put so much free content out as well because I want to show people that there are this other style of yoga this other side of yoga that you've never seen before mm -hmm. and in fact closer most likely to the origins of how yoga should be practiced totally yeah yeah like <laughs> yoga nidra right that's like the relaxation mm -hmm. yoga which is not poses at all it's really meant to like relax and reduce stress right yeah yoga nidra is interesting um there is definitely a lot of medical research done with yoga nidra i don't know if you come across the term i rest before developed mm -hmm. by dr richard miller mm -hmm. um yeah so he's done a lot of work in that field using it is yoga nidra but he trademarked it his his particular approach called I rest for mm. PTSD. Oh. So it's, yeah, it's quite fascinating. And it's, it's a little bit like meditation, but it does help a person get into a different state of consciousness where the trauma lives, where suppressed memory lives, and from there, um, introduce a healing aspect of the yoga nidra practice. Yeah, interesting. So if you're interested in that, um, I've only read a little bit about his work, but I know he's done so much for the veterans with PTSD. Wow. That's really cool. No, I wasn't aware of that, but that's, I mean, that's awesome. Um, 
in my experience, I've used breathing and my dad taught me this uh, pranayama for allergies. Like <laughs> me and my dad both have, aller I inherited his allergies and his back <laughs> and, uh, but doing, uh, pranayama, doing, um, Kapalbadi and Anulom Valom, just, just those two. And honestly, it's like maybe five minutes in the morning. I find that like my breath and my sinuses are clear, you know, throughout the day. And it's, you know, it's been almost like magic just seeing that, um, the power of just those really, really simple breath exercises, how they can just sort of replenish and repair your body. Um, and not mm -hmm. needing to use the medication and stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, these techniques are, for the most part, very simple. Like you just explained, it doesn't take more than a few minutes, but has such profound effect. And that's, that's something I always try to emphasize for my students and clients is that you don't need to do much. You just need to be consistent with mm -hmm. it. Um, and... I love that you're, I know you, your father and you both have kind of a spiritual practice and, mm -hmm. and it's a kind of in your culture as well. And mm -hmm. I love that he, he uh, taught you that technique <laughs> and it's helped you so much. It, it, it is like a lifestyle. It is really totally. like a li lifestyle medicine. It's like, okay, if you're, I'm trying to think of something that we do on regular <laughs> in the Western culture, but can't think of any. But like in my culture, in the Chinese culture, if you have a cold, the remedy is like, okay, go make yourself a cup of ginger tea. Right. Steep with real ginger. So it's just like these Same. simple things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's like a lot of similarities that we share and it's just, it's just lost. Mm. And now people kind of deem it as the alternative <laughs> medicine. Right. But it's just like part of, part of tradition and part of culture that's, that's been lost over time. Yeah. And it's like, I think people back then were probably healthier in a lot of ways because they didn't have all the medicine you had to, you're eating natural foods. You're not eating, you know, processed packaged foods. You're drinking mostly just water or tea, whatever's available. You're not drinking diet Coke and, you know, mm -hmm. eating, you know, Taco Bell or whatever. <laughs> um, but a lot of these ancient uh, remedies are getting really popular, right? Like tea, I think is getting really popular. Um, and, uh, like, yeah, using ginger turmeric is hot right now. And yeah, <laughs> and all these like superfoods that they talk about and you see at, you know, Trader Joe's, it's like people in Asia, uh, have been using them for literally thousands of years and, um, it's all, you exactly. know, it's all getting repopularized in the Western culture, but these are like, you know, r remedies that, you know, have been, you know, natural herbal remedies that, that work, you know, for, for, right. For what what's that um what do they call it the golden latte or something <laughs> i was like isn't that an ancient Herbic ayurvedic yeah, yeah it's like an ayurvedic thing that's been used for thousands of years and it's at starbucks now yeah <laughs> it's at starbucks now that just cracks me up i, I was know, like i'm crazy. gonna get a turmeric latte a golden latte it's like mm. that sounds yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um cool so so you're you recently joined the nomad life. What caused you to, uh, to start that? What was the, what was the reason? And this is, this was decided before COVID, right? To, to go this nomadic. was, well, this was decided during COVID. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, COVID, which is 
can't believe it's like over a year ago when everything mm -hmm. shut down and the whole world changed. Um, but it kind of forced my business to go online in terms of seeing my clients virtually, teaching classes virtually. In a way, it I already had the vision that I wanted to do something like this where I'm leaning more into an online platform where I can reach more people in this way. And I've had that vision for some time now, but it just was never, I never had the urgency to do mm -hmm. it as I was full with just seeing in-person clients. Mm -hmm. And so COVID in a way kind of catapulted that vision and sped it up <laughs> in a way. Mm -hmm. um, so the past year I've been focusing on just building things online, building things virtually and marketing myself virtually creating systems to be able to teach online. And it's been a big learning curve for sure, but it's definitely bringing me closer to what I envision my business to look like in the next three and five years. And one of the goal or one of the motivation for this, so both my husband and I were we're pretty frequent travelers. Um, his family lives in Europe. My family lives in Asia. So mm. you could imagine how often we travel abroad. And when you travel abroad, you want to spend more time. You know, you don't want to just go yeah. for a few days. You want to spend like for a sure. couple weeks, three weeks, a month maybe to mm. see your family. Um, and so that was a motivation of eventually. So he's, he's also um, in a startup. So eventually being able to take both of our work and be able to have more flexibility to travel internationally and stay a lot longer, but still be able to do our work from there. And so um, this plan of this nomadic life actually formulated maybe late last year, just around the time when the vaccines are starting to, the rumors mm. about it starting to come out, but not sure yet. And we decided, well, this is, this is our time to do it. You know, we've worked virtually for at least half a year now, and we don't know when things are going to be back to where it was before. And we don't know if we want to go back to where things were back before. I mean, I was kind of done living in San Francisco, to be honest. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we just decided, okay, well, right now we can't travel internationally, but we can drive. We can just pack up our car and drive in different parts of the United States and mm -hmm. just kind of do this trial period, I guess, in a way of how it is to work remotely and if it's something that we do want. So here we are a week, a week in, <laughs> a week in in San Diego. And the plan is about six months, but we'll see. It might go longer, it might be shorter. We're six keeping- Six months of nomading? Yeah, approximately, yeah. Yeah. May, we'll it might be more. Somewhere or, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, part of it also is seeing if another part of the United States feels more appealing to us. Mm. I mean, California is so crazy expensive. I mean, I'm still in California, but I was just kind of done with the, the San yeah. Francisco type of um, 
living (laughs) and wanting to see what else is out there. And um, so maybe, maybe we'll find a place where we want to elsewhere. We want to settle. Maybe we end up in Bay area. Who knows? Mm -hmm. So you're open to wherever. Yeah. We're trying to keep an open mind. um, And, and just kind of learn along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is such a big country. So many people see usually a small corner of it. I've been fortunate to live in, you know, three or four different states. Oh, wow. And then, um, yeah, across Jersey and New York and California and Arizona. But even then, just, yeah, if you're going on vacation to Chicago or Austin, it's not the same as like staying there because all you're doing is doing the most touristy stuff and going out (laughs) to eat. But actually, like living in a place, getting like the energy of it and and the vibe is is totally different. Uh, even if things are shut down, you could still get to you know understand what a, what a place is like, what the people are like, versus just going for a weekend or something like that. Exactly right. Now, if you're going for even if it's a week, you're like you say, you're just have you're there for a vacation, mm-hmm. and you hear we're okay, we're working. Mm-hmm and living here. So it really gives you a taste of what real life would feel like while living here. <laughs> totally. How are you liking San Diego so far? I, well, they're pros and cons. So I, <laughs> I personally like the, the warmer weather. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like the warmer weather here. Um, everything does feel a little bit more laid back. Totally. Um, I don't like the freeway system. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't like how, like to get anywhere, it's like, okay, now we have to get on this freeway and then this next freeway and then this next freeway and then get off. That's just Southern California driving. (laughs) I know, that's that's a part I don't like. Um, But, you know, our neighborhood, we live kind of 15 minutes away from some restaurants and coffee shops. Um, so that's, that's nice. Like it's still, I like the, in Bay area, I like the walkability mm. of everything. So it, it's taking some time to adjust for sure. But yeah, I like the weather sure. so far. <laughs> yeah, I love San Diego. It's one of my favorite cities for sure. I've only visited, I never lived there, but it's, it's a beautiful place and there's, you know, like if you like the beach for like surfing and tacos and <laughs> mm, yeah <laughs> tacos <laughs> tacos are are amazing i'm a big fan exactly yeah um those are all the questions i had um is there anything else you wanted to share or any sort of parting words of wisdom for people listening oh um well i guess just being on the theme of our topic today i would say using, you know, using your example of if your doctors suggest something, just keep looking, look, like look elsewhere, get second opinion, third opinions, and definitely try to do some of the things like yoga or other things that's more self-empowering and self-advocating first before deciding whether you're going into surgery or some other um, mm-hmm. very life-changing decisions mm-hmm. so that's that's what i would say yeah well, yeah. yeah like if there's chronic pain there's probably some ways to address it with you know small lifestyle things 
Right. And it, I mean, pain, it's probably recurring. It's not, it's not guaranteed that you will avoid surgery. Like I have a client who I worked with for a few months and at first she was like, I want to avoid surgery. And that's why mm -hmm. I, I uh, want your help. Um, but she wasn't getting any better. And it was just for her, it was getting worse and worse. So, mm. you know, it makes sense that for her, she would go for surgery, but continuing the yoga therapy work as well at the same time. Yeah, it's definitely not. No, don't get surgery. There's definitely great doctors out there, but it should be a last resort. It shouldn't be like the first line of defense in terms of medication and surgery for solving, you know, health issues. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for all that you do. I'll link to your website so everyone can know where to find you and maybe you'll be coming to a city near them soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do let me know. Well, um, you can probably know where I am by like my Instagram and, and stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much and have a good one. Good luck with uh, San Diego and wherever you end up next. Well, thank you so much, Jayton. <laughs> Bye. There you have it. My conversation with Elaine, such a wonderful person, such great energy um you know very wise spiritual you can tell she meditates and does a lot of yoga and uh, has a lot to share so yeah if you suffer from chronic pain or interested in using yoga to to heal something in your life uh, definitely check her out at elaineyoga.com i'll link to all that in the show notes and yeah have a great week like i said i got a couple shows coming up check out jutandkana.com for my shows it also has my podcast my blog and all that other good stuff um dc tomorrow on the 15th of april brooklyn and may 8th really excited for this summer post-vax summer let's get weird let's party hit me up love to see you love to hear from you and shout out to captain for the beat as always and until next time bye